How about you go with me to Leviticus 23. I talked with one of our guys back here and we were talking about, uh, he was thanking me for having taken us through this Old Testament journey. I've enjoyed it. It's made me study portions of Scripture I wouldn't normally normally study in, in this, uh, this thoroughly. So uh, if, I've, if I've messed up or gotten some of it wrong, I'm still learning, all right? So, um, uh, uh, but I've enjoyed putting my hand to this. We will finish this series today um, where we've been talking about sacred gatherings. And uh, next week, we'll start... Um, a little series that I want to call I Believe. We're going to talk about um, some elements of faith and some stories of faith from the Gospels. We'll be in Mark 9 next week. We'll be there uh, up until the summertime. So uh, if you would uh, please uh, kind of read through Mark 9. We're going to look at some words in red and some stories of people that Jesus encountered that were people that had struggles of faith like you and I do. And so that starts next week. Now, Rhonda has got me watching, you know, we, we DVR it until, and then there, it gets like five or six on there, and then we watch five or six of them together. Anybody watch Alaska's Last Frontier? The Last Frontier, you know I mean, that guy that sings like that. Uh, I've never been to Alaska. I'm not sure I need to go to Alaska. Okay, some of you have been there. You've told me. I get it. You think I need to go, Sally? Okay, well, all right. I, I'm, if it's okay, I won't go this week, okay? But um, I, it's kind of, I'm, I'm impressed when I watch this particular show with the work ethic of these people um, uh, and their ingenuity. Uh, my dad used to say that his mom, my grandmother, when they would slaughter a hog, she would say they cooked all the hog but the squeal. They used every bit of the hog with the squeal, okay? Well, I kind of get that picture as I'm watching these. It's the, it's the Lee family, I think. There's, there's like cousins and brothers and all that kind of thing. And um, they just use every, all their resources in such a, a good way. Um, it, they scramble to, to fish and to hunt and to can all this meat and all this vegetables and things, to chop wood because winter's coming, and boy, I guess winter in Alaska is like nothing, nothing else. And so they're getting all ready for that. And I just watch how hard these people work so that when they can't get out, they're, they're kind of prepared for. Uh, there's a time for harvest uh, for them, and I, and, and I notice when they have a big fishing trip or a big hunting trip and they put all this meat up and all this kind of stuff, they got a little bit of a time to celebrate, and then they're ready for the winter. Well, today uh, we're going to end this series with the discussion of the last of the three great festivals of Israel, and this one's about harvest. Um, harvest had just passed. They needed a time for rest and celebration. Now, um, this, this particular feast... We're going to call, the Bible calls, the festival or the feast of tabernacles. Um, it is the third of the annual festivals for Israel. Um, the festival has parallels with the farmer that we just talked about or the rancher who has, uh, who has brought in the harvest, come to the end of the harvest season just before winter begins and has that good feeling of having accomplished that and prepared for the long winter months. Um, a lot of really positive emotions in, in this particular celebration for the Israelite people. 
It was a time to celebrate with their families, a time to celebrate with others. But there was more to it than just a celebration of harvest. Uh, there's a lot of providence and um, care of God to celebrate as well. We're going to kind of look at that uh, today. Now, the first day of every month on the Hebrew calendar, um, every, every month, the first day of the month, was to be observed by the blowing of trumpets and the offering of a special sacrifice. You can read about that in Numbers. The seventh month, seventh month, which was known as Tishri, which is late September and early October. Their calendars don't exactly parallel ours. But that seventh month had an unusually uh, special meeting. It was different. Its day, its first day, was designated for the blowing of trumpets. And regular labor was forbidden on that day. Now, that was different from the other, other 11 months. So they kind of had a cease from labor on the first day of the seventh month because it was going to be the first of several special events that took place in the seventh month. You might think of it uh, like the period in, in our world uh, between Thanksgiving and New Year's where there are just several things that kind of come about within 30 days or a little more than that. Well, on this particular seventh month was kind of a big deal. The Day of Atonement that we looked at last week occurred on the 10th day. It was by many believed to be the most sacred day of the year. Again, normal, normal labor was prohibited. Um, the Festival of Tabernacles, which we're going to talk about today, added two or three more days of rest to the list. And um, um, it, it began then on, began five days after the Day of Atonement that we studied last week. Um, and this festival replaced the Day of Atonement's solemnity, you remember it was a pretty serious day, with a joyful atmosphere of thanksgiving. The Festival of Tabernacles, like Passover, had a distinct historical connection. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But basically, it, it marked the 40 years that the Israelites lived in tents during their wilderness travels. Now, the three major pilgrimage festivals are mentioned together in Exodus 23 and in other places in Deuteronomy 16. The Festival of Tabernacles is also known as the Festival of Booths. We'll talk about what that means in a minute. It's also called the Festival of Ingathering because it was a harvest celebration and uh, recognizes that harvest motif. But unlike when we studied the, um, the Festival of uh, Passover and Unleavened Bread, um, if you remember, that was, that was a grain harvest. This is going to be more celebration of a fruit harvest, olives and dates and all that produce that they got in uh, kind of in the fall months. In, in those, uh, in those uh, places. So, Bob, if you're back there and you want to go with us to Leviticus 23, I can see your yellow shirt, so I know you're back there somewhere. All right, start with verse 33, if you would, and read down through 36, if you would.
Okay, now this whole section begins, this chapter begins with what? Then the Lord said. Okay? There are lots of sections of the book of Leviticus that are going to begin that way. Um, uh, more direct words of the Lord in Leviticus probably than any other book of the Bible. Dozens of sections of Leviticus begin like this one. The Lord said. So, um, in, in this first little verse that we're going to uh, just parenthetically remember here, they're going to do what they're getting ready to do because the Lord said to do it, okay? Because the Lord said so. He told them to do it. So that's what they're going to begin to do. Now, there is a difference between this festival or this feast, especially in the contrast in the diet of the two week-long festivals. So if the festival of Passover was followed by um, um, the Feast of Passover is followed by the Festival of Unleavened Bread. Obviously, by, by name, that one denotes that they're going to eat bread for those seven days um, that follow um, that hasn't, hasn't got any yeast in it. Um, uh, they're both harvest celebrations beginning on the 15th of the month. Anybody know what happens kind of generally on the 15th of the month? You get a full moon, so that's a, it's kind of a... A full moon festival too, at least uh, in sync with the Jewish calendar. So on the 15th of the month, they both begin. Um, you don't think that happens now? 15th of the month is payday? My dad would say the eagle flew, okay. Well, I, that, that's what he always said, did the eagle fly, okay? So I'm not really sure what that meant. But the idea here is on the 15th of the month, in the spring, they celebrate the, the in-gathering of grain, but they're eating bread without yeast. Why? Do you remember? It had to do with the Passover celebration. And if you remember, they didn't put yeast in the bread because they didn't have time to. They were, late. They were boogieing out of Egypt, you remember? Getting out of there. And they didn't have time to let the bread rise before they baked it. So they were celebrating every year the remembrance of that happening, all right? Now, it's in the fall of the year, and uh, that, that same prohibition is not in place. They can use yeast in the bread. Um, they're going to they're offer lots of sacrifices. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. Um, much produced, no yeast restrictions. It's a little bit different. Um, this Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths, Okay. But the difference, there's a difference here in the, in the diet. of the. They're both week-long festivals. Now, there's a connection. I want you to go with me if you will. There's a connection between this particular festival, this particular feast, and Jesus' public ministry. Please leave your finger, if you will, or get a prayer card or put a pen in Leviticus 23. Turn right over to the Gospels and go with me to John 7. John 7. We're going to see... Uh, it's kind of interesting to me, Jesus' involvement in this particular feast. Uh, it tells us about it in John's Gospel, about one such feast in those three years of Jesus' public ministry. Um, even though the heat was on, he spent time at one of these feasts and actually did some pretty wonderful teaching at the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, um, 
if you're in John 7, I'm just going to kind of set it up. And then in a minute, I'm going to have some of you read a verse or two, but, but follow me, follow along with me here. After these things, Jesus was walking in Galilee because he was unwilling to walk in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now, how bad is it? He's got the heat on, right? Now, the feast of the Jews, the feast of booths, notice it's called booths here, but it's the same feast we're talking about, the feast of tabernacles. We'll talk about why it's called that. Therefore, his brothers said to him, leave here and go into Judea so that your disciples may also see your works, which you're doing. For no one does anything in secret when he himself seeks to be known publicly. Now, his brothers here is talking about his, his earthly, physical brothers, the other children of Mary, all right, and Joseph. What are they wanting him to do? Go to the feast where everybody's hanging out and make a big splash. Does that sound like your Savior? Doesn't sound like mine. He just had no interest in it. And by the way, John gives us a detail here as he narrates what's going on. He says his brothers didn't believe in him anyway at this point. All right? I find that really intriguing, that they're trying to draw him out. Uh, there are other passages where they thought he was kind of crazy. In verse 6, Jesus says, you know, guys, my time has not yet come. I'm not doing that. So he kind of bypasses and stays in Galilee. It says in verse 9, having said these things to him, he stayed in Galilee. But if you'll read on, it says, when they had gone to the feast, he decides to go anyway. Maybe that was his plan all along, but he's not going with these clowns, okay? All right? Now, James was one of them who turned out really well, okay? But, all right, right here, He's just, you know, I'm not going to be part of that. And he says, I'm staying in Galilee. They go to the feast. And later on, he goes by himself. Just kind of tries to blend in. Good luck with that. He just doesn't blend in. But he goes. And they find out he's there. And, and the, uh, the Jewish officials, officials start making a big deal out of him there. Uh, where is he? What's he saying? What can, we, what can we catch him in so we can arrest him? You know, all that kind of stuff. So if your Bible's like mine and there's some red portions there, I want us to look at a little bit of what he taught, okay, um, here. Um, uh, verse 10 says he went up in secret after having talked to his brothers, okay. Um, verse 14 says he began to teach and the Jews were astonished saying, how has this man become learn, learned having never been educated? They can't figure it out. This is the best teaching we've ever heard. Where did it come from? We don't remember this guy went off to school anywhere. Interesting, right? And so he's teaching. They're, they're jaw-dropped at what he has to teach. Now, somebody read. Oh, you'll recognize, I think, verse 37 and 38. Somebody read those two verses to us. This Jesus taught while he was at the Festival of Booths, or the Feast of Tabernacles. Verse 37 and 38. See if you recognize it. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. Aren't you glad he went? <laughs> Aren't you glad he taught? By the way, if you've got a bottle of water in front of you or, or a cup of coffee or, like me, a cup, a cup of water, just take a sip. 
you'll be thirsty again. But the water He's going to promise you will leave you completely satisfied. Aren't you glad He went to the Festival of Tabernacles and taught? Now, let, let, me, let me fill in your blanks here. Jesus... He, he has some connections in his public ministry to these Jewish festivals. First of all, you and I know that his death and resurrection happened during Passover, right around there. Okay, Passover began it. It was actually during the, the, uh, the Feast of uh, Unleavened Bread when uh, the resurrection took place because it follows Passover. The church began, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, the church began during the... During, um, what you and I will call Pentecost. It's kind of a new New Testament word, but it was the festival of weeks. Do you remember why we called it the Feast of Weeks? Do I? It, it, it actually, um, uh, it lasted a little longer, but the idea was it came a week of weeks after Passover, okay? 49 days, 50 days, a week of weeks in that next day. So it's called the Festival of Weeks most of the time in the Old Testament. All right, that's Pentecost, we call it um, there. And then he teaches here at the Feast of Tabernacles on the eighth day of this feast. This feast is eight days, but there's one especially solemn day that follows it on the eighth day. You can read about that in verse 36, and we'll get to it in just a minute. Okay, that's... Uh, um, look up at verse, we're back in Leviticus 23 now. Look at verse 36, and it's going to give us that little bit of a detail. It's going to say, for seven days you'll present an offering by fire to the Lord. On the eighth day, you'll have a holy convocation and present an offering by fire to the Lord. It's an assembly, you shall do no laborious work. So it's seven days and then an eighth day, kind of like they added on. And Jesus did this wonderful, if you're thirsty, come to me and I'll give you something to drink, teaching on that eighth very special holy day. I'm glad he decided to go to the festival. I'm glad John heard him teach and he wrote it down, you know? And it shows up in my Bible in red. Now, the, the, the observances that we've been talking about here and certainly here, uh, John, can I prevail on you to go to Isaiah 1? I want you to read 11 through 15 in just a minute. The observances of these festivals are not casual, okay? They're not to be carried out thoughtlessly or insincerely. You remember we've been talking about it, if you look at... Um, at the title of this series, we've been talking about sacred gatherings, sacred assemblies. So the words to put there by verse 37, it's going to give us lots of detail. They're not to be done thoughtlessly or insincerely, but having my mind and my heart both engaged. That sounds like... Uh, what God wants me to do when I go to church. To give my mind's attention and my heart's affection wholly to the Lord. My mind's attention and my heart's affection. Those words are not mine, but they're some of the best words I've ever heard to describe what I do in worship, what I'm supposed to do. John, would you, in Isaiah 1, it's interesting. Now, you remember, we've got all this, all this prescription for what we're to do 
uh, for the Feast of Booths, Feast of Tabernacles. But then Isaiah, it's 700 or so B.C., says, maybe not. Uh, read it for us, John, 11 through 15. Wow. What, what's Isaiah, Isaiah, what's God saying through Isaiah here about the festivals, period? Do what? I really don't need all this. Isn't it interesting that it would be prescribed in Leviticus, and by the time we get to Isaiah, several hundred years later, Isaiah, God is saying, you know what? You guys think I really like barbecue, and I really don't care for it. John, if you're still there, I'm gonna, John's going to read the why. I, I, I sent you back to Leviticus 23. Sorry, dude. Isaiah 1.17 gives us the why. God's going to say, it's not that you're not supposed to do these things. It's that you need to do them sincerely, and it needs to affect the way you do your life. Listen to what verse 17 says. sounds like there ought to be a connection in the way I live and how I worship. I ought to be care it ought to teach me to care about right things and get involved in right things. I once had an old Church of God preacher in my, in my hearing said this and, uh, and it, I've never, 30 years ago or more and I've never forgotten it. He said, it's not how high you jump that matters. It's how straight you walk when you come back down. <laughs> you know? He's really, he was talking about this issue that Isaiah's taken on here. Now, let's go back to Leviticus 23. So, there's this, all this detail matters. Now, in verse 38, uh, there's a word used that I just want us to, be sure we don't miss before we move on. He's going to say, besides those of the Sabbath of the Lord, and besides your gifts, and besides all your votive and freewill offerings, which you give to the Lord, uh, he's saying, do these Sabbath offerings in addition to, besides. So I want you to write the word in your, in your outline here, um, uh, the word extra on the line, but I want you underneath there or out the side or somewhere, write the word besides or in addition. In addition. Okay? You've got, 
you're this, get this festival, but don't forget to do the, uh, the regular Sabbath work. The, the, to offer the regular Sabbath um, um, sacrifices as well. Now, let me, let me give you some detail here. You can read about this later if you want to in Numbers 29. But here's what they were supposed to do. This was quite a festival. They, they uh, sacrificed lots and lots and lots of animals for this eight days. Let me, let me recount it for you. If, if you read through uh, Numbers 29, you're going to re- learn that each day for seven days, there are two rams and 14 lambs sacrificed every day. Two lambs and 14 rams. The bulls, okay, sacrificed, totaled 70 for the week. But they're offered in a different way, and no reason is given. In other words, they're to offer 13 the first day, 12 the second day, 11 the next day, 10 the next day, until they get to the end of the festival, so that seven are offered on the seventh day. And all of these are to be totally consumed on the altar, in addition to their regular offerings. That was what was expected, and this is some and then some offering. Eight male goats are to be sacrificed as sin offerings, one each day. If you add it up, it's 199 sacrifices in eight days. To quote one former car dealer, that's a lot of bull. Maybe he used to say, that's no bull. I remember that, but that's a lot of bull. That's a lot of sacrifice. Now, here's my question. And I've had to deal with this in my own life. Is giving for you a privilege or is it grim duty? I can't answer that for you. Is giving for you a privilege or is it just grim duty? Back when I worked at the church, I I remember one particular instance, but this was only, this was not isolated. It happened to me several times where I would go visit one of our um, shut-in people, somebody who could no longer come to church. And I visited my dear friend, Leon. I'd known him most of my life. He was a Church of God pastor for years and years and years. Uh, he pastored the church uh, from which this church came um, in downtown Oklahoma City years and years ago. Hubert Leon Atwell. And I remember going to, to Leon uh, and Lily's house, and we spent an hour or so together and uh, kind of caught up on things, and we prayed together. And they, would read, they were always reading stuff in the newsletter, and they'd say, what are we doing here? And I'd have to kind of explain all that kind of stuff. But it was good. And we prayed together, and I left. And he, as I'm leaving, he comes out on his porch and waves me back. And so I, go, I pull my car back on the porch, and I get out, everything okay? And he said, yeah, I just want you to do me a favor. What's that? And he pulled out of his shirt pocket a pink envelope. I don't know in your churches if if offering envelopes were pink where you come from, but they were pink here back in the day. And he said, would you just take my offering to church? It'll save me having to mail it in. I was wrecked for the rest of the day. It was a pattern that he established throughout his life. And even though he couldn't be here anymore, the pattern continued. And then some, you know, in addition to, besides, well, I'll let the Lord and the Holy Spirit deal with that with you. He's had to deal with it for, in my life. 
Now let's go back to 23. Would somebody pick it up in verse 39 and read down through 43 and we'll kind of begin the trip home here, okay? 39 through 43. Okay, now, um, if you look back at verse 36, I've asked the question, do they really need two days of rest, two days of ceasing, two Sabbath days within this? And the truth is, um, um, it depends on where it falls in the, the uh, calendar. If, for instance, um, the feast begins on a Saturday, it's going to have uh, only the, the two Sabbath days. But if it begins on a Wednesday... Okay. You'll have a ceasing day on Wednesday, a ceasing day that coming Saturday, which is the normal Sabbath, then another one the Wednesday, and then the Thursday following it. So uh, it's interesting that they want to be sure to get that covered, um, to take the time that's necessary here to do this, this wonderful festival of ingathering and celebration of how God took care of us while we are in the wilderness. Now, are you aware what the 10... Um, some calendars you might see nine or ten annual federal holidays all have in common in, in the United States? Do what? They're all on Monday. They're not all on Monday, but because Christmas is in there, Thanksgiving's in there, yeah, but, but that was a good... They're all one day. They're all, every one of them. One isolated day. Now, what have we done as Americans? We've made them, because a lot of them have been moved to Monday, we've tried to make them three days, and sometimes four. Rhonda, you and I were working on that for the year uh, based on, because she's a, not a federal employee, but it, it's tied to federal work. And <clears throat> so uh, isn't it interesting if we try to stretch that out? Now, what I recognize is that, especially after a really difficult time, and what they've done here is really, really hard work. They have knocked themselves out for week after week after endless week, only stopping on Sabbath. And now they've got several Sabbaths within eight days of one another. They need it. Uh, if you're like me, the, the huge projects that I work on that, that wake me up in the middle of the night like we did this morning have a tendency to not just come one right after the next, but then sometimes they even overlap. Does that happen in your calendar? Then I'm, about the time I'm almost done with this one, I've got to pick up and start really hammering this next season what I've got to do. And so there's really no time for ceasing. That's the word Sabbath. I wonder, I wonder, uh, by the way, the, in, in the People's Republic of China, they celebrate Golden Week, a week-long celebration. Uh, the ancient Israelites here have two week-long celebrations, plus a day, unleavened bread and tabernacles. Um, if 
it, it makes me wonder if longer celebrations ought to be a model for us. It makes me wonder if, uh, if you're like me and try to do any kind of commerce between Christmas and New Year's, how hard that is because you can't find anybody in their office. A lot of folks can't find them. Maybe that's the way it should be to mark a really important time. Uh, my question is here, um, how does your Sabbath work? How does your life, your patterns, how do they kind of fall? Now, in verse 40, they're told to do something really interesting. What are they doing in 40? They're cutting branches and gathering them, okay? All kinds of leafy branches. They're going to use those in a minute. But for now, for now, they're just going to gather them and stack them. Now, what's going to happen if a child during a festival, has two leafy branches in their hands. What are they going to do? They're going to wave them. You're right. And, and that's, you know, I think I just put the reference to John 11. That's what's going on in John 11 when they, they uh, cut palm fronds, palm branches, and begin to wave them and say, Hosanna, the son of David. So they're going to wave them. Uh, verse 41 gives us another detail. This is not just for one year. This is for every year. This is to last. The word in the New American Standard that's used there is the word perpetual. This is to be a perpetual celebration. And then the most unique uh, facet of this feast is found in verse 42. For the seven days, there to live. For that week, there to live in a tent for a full week. A tent. We're going to talk about what they did. They would take those branches... And they would make um, three walls and a roof out of those branches. They kind of tie them together and put them together somehow, stand them up, three little walls and a roof. And they would eat all their meals for that seven days in there. They would sleep in there every night. I, I just love that thought. It's the idea of how about for a week out of the year, choose it carefully when the weather's right, okay? How about if for a week of the year you slept in a tent in the backyard? Now, why are they doing this? Because their ancestors had to do this every night for 40 years. And they're celebrating that. They're remembering that. By the way, it reminds me when we were in seminary, um, had a friend named Sam Jones who was very talented and was uh, the music guy at a, at a local Baptist church where we would attend when we were in, uh, when we were in town. And, I, and we were, this particular church was getting ready to help sponsor a Bill Glass crusade. Some of you guys have been involved in that before. I'd been involved with a couple of them while I was in college and even after that. And, and Sam came to me one day at school and he said, man, I've got to ask you a question about Bill Glass. <laughs> and he said, and you know, sometimes I'm just, it just goes right over my head. He said, is he intense? I said, no, he was in a, a high school football stadium. He meant I-N-T-N-S-E, okay? I took it in tents, like a tent revival. Anyway, so. they were in tents for seven days, for seven days here. And what they were to do, according to verse 43, is to remember God's activity in their history. I referenced Deuteronomy 31, 13. Why? Why? Deuteronomy 31 says you better tell your kids don't forget to tell your kids. Make sure they remember because they weren't there. Did you know that your Christian faith and mine, 
is always one generation from extinction. That ought to scare you. Christian faith, Crossings Community Church, is one generation from extinction. And memory, here's what goes in your last blank. Memory's a gift. Yesterday, um, I had a special memory that I dealt with. What is important for you to remember? April 15th, you better. The month your car tag is due, you better check. I want everybody to look at your tag when you're on the way out, okay? There are some things that need to be, that I need to be intentional about remembering. Rhonda and I were in Bethany yesterday um, looking for Marlene Foster's antique booth on 39th Street, okay? We found it, I think. think. We didn't buy anything, sorry, but, but you need to go over there and buy something. Anyway, we were, we were over there, and um, since I was across from where you and I went to school for a couple years, uh, I, you know, I... Antique and I can stand for a little while, you know. So I walked across the street, kind of wanted to reminisce a little bit. And when they finally finished, because Heather was with us too, I walked them over there. And I saw the place where I took Rhonda back after our first kind of pseudo date. I'm not sure it was a date, but she thought it was. So anyway. <laughs> I, you'd have to ask us. She'll be happy to tell you that story. But then... And it took me a while to find it. I found the prayer chapel at SNU. You been there, Jim? You see, there is, there is, I didn't carve anything in any of those pews. That would have been defacing. But I'm telling you, there was a place right there where we decided that we were going to serve the Lord and we were going to do it together. 39 years ago in, in November, and I hadn't been there in that whole time. And so I walked her in there, and it happened to be open. And we told our daughter what happened there. We committed to each other and to serving God. And I think we've kept up that deal. You see, memories matter. We've talked through this series about how important it is to remember and to put patterns in your life, seasons in your life, where you just stop and remember like the nation did. Can I tell you something? Jesus said when he originally handed them the cup and the bread, he said, do this and remember. Remember, I better not take that lightly. I better take it seriously. I better be intentional about sharing those things with my kids. God bless you. Have a great Sunday. We'll start this new series next week in Mark 9. I'll see you then. <laughs>